What's up, guys? This is Danny Langloss. This week we're switching it up a little bit for the podcast. I sat down and had a conversation with a good friend of mine, Bill Woodich, who runs the Unstoppables podcast. And it was a great conversation. We took a deep dive into empathy, critical leadership lessons I've learned through the course of my career in service. And we talked about some really critical leadership skills. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's get after it. You're listening to The Unstoppables, where each week we show you how to overcome obstacles and transform the sting of failure into the reward of growth. And now, here's your host, best-selling author, keynote speaker, and CEO, Bill Woodich. Each of us are faced in life with those barriers, the obstacles to success, the obstacles that prevent living a more enriched and full life. We have two choices. At the end of the day, we can either run, we can shrink our lifestyle to fit the size of our job, take away our self-respect, and live as less than. Now, to me, that's living a life that's going to be full of regret. Or we can push the envelope. We can learn from those people who have taken risks, who are in leadership positions because they've earned their way there. They weren't given that. They weren't entitled to it, they earned it. My guest today on The Unstoppables is a tremendous leader by any stretch of the word. I've gotten to know him on this platform. I'm extremely, extremely, not only pleased to have the acquaintance, but I benefit from it every day. His, he is content rich and he comes from a sense of empathy. So his engagement is empathetic and may he's real. Danny Langloss, welcome to The Unstoppables. Thank you so much, Bill. Humbled by that introduction, and I'm excited to be here today. Thank you. You know, you are unflappable. We had a little bit of a problem getting connected, and that was on my end, of course, and it's usually where we first trace most problems. They, they start with me, and they usually end with me. But you're, you're unflappable in the face of those things, and it's just part of your nature. So I, I, I got to ask you this. Growing up, Around the kitchen table as a kid, you know, what are, the, what are one or two, maybe three of the enduring values you took away from growing up? Well, the, the first and foremost was family. There's absolutely nothing more important than, than family. Uh, you know, I had a very loving family, uh, a great family, uh, a family that had some struggles as I got into my teen years. But the one of the things that growing up in the house I did, especially from my mom, was learning how to love, learning how to care, learning how to demonstrate empathy and compassion. And then from my dad, he was a loving guy, but learning the mindset really of a champion, that the only person who can stop you is you. Anything you put your mind to, you can accomplish. And so those are some things that that really stick out, you know, coming up through, through my family with my mom and my dad and my, my little brother. You know that I've got to ask this question and I don't know if, if we can have an answer to this, but do you think, and you mentioned, you know, empathy and you mentioned mindset. Do you think that those, those traits, those gifts can be actually learned or acquired later in life? Is that yeah. possible? Yeah. You know, Bill, I, I don't think that I got in this discussion a few weeks ago. I don't think we're born with mindset. You know, we're, we're born with a lot of things, but mindset isn't a God-given thing. It's a, it's a man-made thing. We have the ability 
and the power to choose our mindset. I think that's an important thing. I think mindset is a skill, right? And I think empathy is a skill. It's a learned and, and trainable skill. And those things come from experience. They come from the great coaches in our lives, our, our moms and dads, the, the people that we hang around. But I absolutely think that they are teachable, learnable skills there within our own control. I'm smiling because we're in alignment on this as, as we are in many things. Uh, I think that when you break away from the insular patterns, the, the, this is the way it's always been. This is what I think, and therefore, this is how it's going to be. And are able to open yourself to the what if. That possibility will, will allow you to have that skill of learning, the skill then that comes with an obligation to apply what you learn. And I think that's, I'm happy you said that. We're in alignment on that one. I want to ask you about your, your upbringing a little more. <clears throat> for where you are now, we're, we're going we're gonna to jump forward. But first, we have to go back in the past. Take us from 30,000 feet down to about 10. Give me a little background on Danny Langloss, what you did, and then we'll come right into where you are now with that nice monogram DL behind you. Yeah. No. It, you know, Bill, I grew up in a small town uh, named Peoria Heights, Illinois, about 7,600 people. My graduating class was about 50 people. It, you know, had a lot of great friends. Family was great. Uh, very early on in my life, nine, 10 years old, I knew I wanted to be a police officer. And I had a, a real laser focus on that. I knew I wanted to help people. I was, had very strong sense of justice, uh, very solid morals, values uh, from, from my upbringing. And I knew from a very early stage. And so I began to prepare and make decisions for the fact that I knew that that's what I wanted to do. My dad had a big value in education, you know, so I worked hard in school, going to college was a non-negotiable and, and he was there to coach me and, and to push me. I grew up playing a lot of sports. My dad coached everything that I did and I've really saw the value in team and in, mm -hmm. in sacrifice and working together. I saw the power of momentum and the power and impact of energy. I, I learned the power of believing in people and you know, trusting first. And so, so those are the things that I remember that, that really shaped and formed me through those formative years until I graduated from college and at the young age of 21, because that's pretty young for the responsibility, became a, a police officer in my hometown now, uh, Dixon, Illinois. You mentioned, you know, this, this path and this mindset that you talk about trust. Are you a person that comes out first with trust and, and then people will either prove or disprove, validate or invalidate that? Or are you one that is incremental in terms of let them show me first? Don't be from Illinois, be from Missouri. Let them show me. Right? And then, and it's a show me state, by the way, it's not an indictment of Missouri, but get to a part where, okay, now you've earned it. Where, where do you come from? Yeah. So in... In nearly in 90 plus percent of circumstances, I'm a trust first kind of person. And I think giving trust first is the most powerful way to earn trust. Now, there's certain things where I can't trust first, where somebody needs to prove to me. But I think that those things are few and far between. For example, as the police chief, people needed to show a certain level of trust, a certain level of competency, training those things before we made them an investigator in charge of investigating crimes against children, before they joined our SWAT team, before they became a crisis negotiator, right? So when the stakes are higher and you're talking about safety 
and you're talking about high liability, before we put people in positions like that, we need to make sure that they can do those things. But in everyday life, I found trust first. What, what's the worst that can happen? I found it to be a very powerful trust builder. Trust, uh, Cold War axiom, trust but verify, right? <laughs> so, so Dixon, Illinois is the hometown, the boyhood home of President Ronald Reagan. Who, who would coin the phrase, trust but verify. And, you know, Dixon had, had gone through a very difficult time. I think it's probably, at the end of the day, it'll take about 10 years off of my life. But our comptroller, 30 years, who started with the city as an intern while she was in high school, had the trust and respect of everybody. And, and over a period of 20 years, she stole $54 million from the city of Dixon. And so I was the police chief at the time. I'd only been the police chief for a couple of years. I was 36 years old, I think, and then got thrust into this leadership team to help rebuild, you know, trust and confidence of the community. And I heard that, I heard that phrase from Ronald Reagan, trust, but verify many times. You have been consistent in your message. You've been consistent in your content. And by that, I mean, you have raised a bar. It's an exceptional bar. And I don't say that to to guess unless I think, in, in my opinion, and it's just, a, it's only my opinion, they've earned that right. And getting to know you over the course of a year, that doesn't surprise me that you would come with a trust first, but verify attitude. And I also think you have a tremendous belief in the power of people to do the right thing and, and to put them in a position to win and to, to teach them. And you've done that in a very, very unselfish way. And to that, I I wanted to give you a shout out on that because I think it's huge. Leadership lessons, because I want people to be able to take this away today and and we can go back and forth and I can tell you a million compliments for the next 30 minutes. (laughs) Leadership lessons that you extracted in life that you now use, what would be three critical leadership lessons you've learned along the way? Yeah, the, the first one is, you know, the intro to every podcast, the Leadership Excellence podcast that, that I run, and that is that individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. It, it, we cannot understate the importance of the top leader and how they set and share the vision, how they align purpose, how they create culture, how they create energy, their, their mindset. Now, the success of the organization is never because of the leader. It's because of the environment the leader creates. It's, it's all about their team. But Bill, I've worked with several organizations in and around our community. I've consulted with several organizations. And I've seen organizations go from toxic, territorial, performing at very low levels, tons of red tape, bogged down, micromanagement. The only thing that changed was the person at the top. And when the person at the top changed and they were service and empowerment versus power and control, right? When they were team versus territorial, when they understood their job was to give their people the resources, the tools, the coaching, and then to get out of their way, those organizations changed overnight. Everything was the same except for the top leader. And so if your organization is struggling, if your organization is having problems, the first thing we've got to do, the first question we've got to ask is what part of the problem am I? We've got to take a real good look in the mirror. So I think the first lesson is who we choose on our leadership team and that top leader. You cannot understate the importance of that. You mentioned energy two times. 
energy, momentum, vision, purpose, aligns with a, a certain passionate pursuit of the way you live your life by expanding the possibilities, opening that envelope and going out there and getting it. How important is energy? And I, now it's a two-part question. First is probably rhetorical, but how important is energy today under the guise, under the cloak of the pandemic where we're limited in our exposure to other humans? And, and how do you as a coach and a, me and a mentor encourage people and give them that inspiration of hope that this is going to turn around? Yeah, great, great, great question. So let's talk about energy. The first question I ask leaders is, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? <laughs> and so when you walk into the room, is the temperature of the room deciding your temperature? Does that deciding your emotion? Are you walking in and setting the temperature of every room you walk in, setting the energy and the emotion? Because positivity is very contagious, right? But negativity, not only is it contagious, but it's incredibly toxic and destructive. And so how we step into rooms and how we set the temperature of that room, or if it's a, a great energy, how we bring that energy and rise to the occasion, regardless of what is going on before we walked in there is so critically, critically important. Now more than ever, you know, you have two, I see two kinds of people most of the time, people that hate Zoom and people that love Zoom, right? And so I'm one of the people that loves Zoom, the incredible people I've met over this last year. I didn't know how to set up a three-way call. I had no interest in learning because I think conference calls are a waste of time. But, but I would never have met you, Bill. I would never have met so many incredible people. And, and even the connection with our unified command team through COVID, with the keeping our leadership team connected when we're distancing, even though we can't walk in the same room, this platform allows us to bring the energy, spread the energy, share the energy, and, and bring those people up and remind them, uh, right? And, and bring that gratitude back in their head, bring that focus and, and aligning that purpose back in their head, drive incredible levels of motivation and prepare people to go out there and kick butt. And we do got to be intentional about it, especially during COVID. And especially when we can't come sit in rooms face to face with one another. You, you're, you're spitting out diamonds today. What did you eat for breakfast? It was something more than Wheaties. I'm, telling you yeah, I'm actually, uh, COVID hasn't been nice to me uh, on the fitness side. And so I actually just broke my fast before the podcast with a little buffalo chicken, a lot of spice. So I'm spiced up and ready to go, Bill. Well, how'd you make the buffalo chicken? Did you, did you is it store bought or did you make it make it yourself? Yeah, I got it from Subway. So I went on the app and ordered it up. And so I do buffalo chicken with extra jalapenos on my Subway sandwich. I love the spice and the fire. I'm like you, your taste buds have gone south a long time ago, but but you know what? I love buffalo chicken, that's why I'm asking you. So I get that wing sauce and all that stuff and do crazy. Oh things. yeah, oh but, yeah. But it's just part of what, what I do. Danny, at this point, people are going, to, are going to think and say, where do I find this guy? So it's the best place to find you. Where can people find that direction that you're offering? You know, the, the best place to connect with me really is on LinkedIn. I'm on, on LinkedIn every day, interacting with great people like yourself. Um, but I'm on Instagram at Danny Langloss. On LinkedIn, I'm just at Danny Langloss. On Facebook and at Twitter, I'm at Danny Langloss. But LinkedIn's the main platform to really connect. And what you know, we do is we use the pod, we release a podcast every week on a different leadership topic, different story. You know, right now, 
um, finishing a two-part series on gender equality in the workplace. I'm very passionate about equality, justice, social justice. And then we break down the episodes and just dive deep into all these different leadership con uh, concepts. So that's, a, that's probably the best place. It's a humble brag and it is the attraction to what you're putting out consistently, but you've got a pretty explosive following that is growing on your podcast. You are one of the fastest. I know it's a humble brag, but you're Thank growing you. like you're a meteor up there. So, well, you know, it's, it's a slow, it's a slow grow, right? But it's just showing up every week. It, you know, Bill, it's incredible. The amount of people that reach out that follow up or that just say thank you. And LinkedIn's really an incredible platform that, you know, things are taking off well there. The engagement's taking off well. I mean, just like with you, you're, you're posting and, and releasing incredible content at scale, as Gary Vee would talk about. And, and you're everywhere. I see on, you know, Twitter, I see on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and it's always valuable, valuable content. I think that's why we align because we really care about helping people, yeah. about giving people those tools. I mean, I believe leadership's our superpower. Our ability to create great teams, to influence people towards a common good purpose. You know, you talk about, you know, one of the leadership lessons is the, the power of ownership and the synergy of champions. Um, and I really believe that. There's so many critical issues facing facing our world right now between, you know, between social justice issues, between issues between the police and, you know, communities of color, between poverty, between climate change, na name it, right? And there's one thing that's going to solve all those things. And that's leadership. That's people's ability not to know everything, because that's not the job of a leader, but to identify the critical pieces and people and the incredible talent to bring them together and to create these environments where they thrive. And, and you know this as well as I do. One person can accomplish great things, but you put 10 great people together and you don't multiply the effectiveness by 10. That's a force multiplier of a thousand. And that's why I'm so passionate about leadership um, and, and in this space. And I've just seen it from the front lines, but I've seen it in working with so many great people. You're good at following me and I bounce all over the place. I digress more than anybody you probably know. But I want to jump back on team. You mentioned the importance of teaming and, and getting there together. I have to uh, say Jillian Vosga does most of my, all of my social media. Sorry, Jillian. And she's fantastic at it. So I, I might create a product, but what I do is say this, make it work for them. Don't make it about me standing up on my head, doing push-ups or whatever. I used to do that. Got, got, got over that. Probably can't do that much anymore. But I got away from that and let her find the content that really attracts and does something for the audience. So I don't want likes. I want people to come and say, you know, that shit's real. Or that guy's putting out some stuff that I can relate to, or it's, it's garbage. I don't want it. You've got to have those camps, but I'm trying to make it. And she's a great guardian of those gates about them. And by doing that, it's, it, it's, it's done pretty well. The other thing I want to ask you is this. I, I'm fond of doing this. I've done this for 20 years. When I have people in my conference room around the table on, on Friday morning meetings and bringing some managers in and saying, look, you're working for that customer out there. They're the ones that pay the bills. It's not me. They're the ones that, that are passing through the money based on your performance. All I'm doing is stewarding that money. The other thing is this. You work for you. You work for yourself. You're not working for me. You're working for your dreams, your aspirations, and put those people in positions to win. You know, you mentioned leaders and, and skills and people leaving. People leave bad managers and bad leaders. They generally don't leave the job. It's the man, it's the manager Absolutely. or the leader. And I think we're in alignment. I gotta ask you this, just riffing with you on this one. I don't like meetings. I don't like them physically. I think they're a waste of time and conference calls, like you mentioned. 
I think they're a colossal waste of time without a three-point agenda. And there's no meeting that you can't get, you can't complete in 10 minutes. There is just not. What do you, what's your feeling on, on, on the time suck that is a meeting? <laughs> so, so I used to say yes to every meeting invite. Um, and I, I felt like I had to go and fulfill this role. And these, this is what city manager did or the police chief did. But I had a mentor of mine tell me that there's a little different decision matrix that I should be using. And it's not, is it a good thing to do to go to this, but is it the right thing? You know, our, our energy is renewable. We can systematically recreate and renew our energy, but our time is, is finite, especially the time within a day. And so I, I completely agree with you on the meetings. Now, if, if we call a meeting, there's a specific purpose, a specific intent. There's a specific agenda. Next to the agenda item is the amount of time we expect that to take. And, and we pride ourselves in being very efficient, very collaborative, right? Asking good questions, getting people involved. If you're at that meeting, it's because you have something to contribute. And people within our organization know if you come to that meeting, be prepared to contribute, pay the preparation price because we don't bring people together just to bring people together. We can do that at the water, water cooler. That's important. We can do that for a drink after work. That's, that's awesome. But if we're intentionally bringing people together, there's a defined purpose and we need to get there thoughtfully, but as, as efficiently as possible. You know, if I'd have met you 20 years earlier, and, and if I could have afforded you, I would have fired myself and put you in that spot because you say it much better than I do. Uh, you know, it's a great- You, you wouldn't have hired me 20 years ago, Bill. This, <laughs> the, it's a journey, right? The journey is the goal. It's a journey. I yeah. mean, in, in, in five years, you and I will be, you know, cuts and levels above where we are now because we understand it's a journey. We're committed to excellence. We realize excellence isn't a destination. It's a place we can get from time to time. And we're committed to getting at least 1% better every day and driving at least 1% more value every day for the people we're serving. And, and it, it's the serious student that continues that quest and is open to the learning. Doesn't mean you have to own every message, every thought out there. No, but you've got to expose yourself to different things, different thoughts. That's how the plasticity of the brain will grow. A huge believer in that. And I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. I, I wrote once that you've got to make today's hurdle to greatness, tomorrow's bar of expectation. That's a high demand. But what you're mentioning, and it's cutting through everything you're saying, is you've got to be able to look in the mirror and you've got to have personal responsibility at that point of contact. You've got to be responsible for your welfare, for your success. It's yours to do. It's not for me or Danny to give you the, you know, hey, I'm gonna do your push-ups for you. Danny's gonna do your pull-ups for you. It's, that's up to the person to do. That's called personal 100%. accountability. And a lot of people avoid that today. You know, they run well, from that. Well, here's the thing. Great leaders are great multipliers. And if you do the work for people, you're not multiplying. You're just spreading yourself thin. You're not making, you're not making the next generation or the next group of leaders, right? You're not teaching them anything by doing it for them. You do somebody's push-ups, right? The only person's muscles are gonna get bigger at yours, Bill. Right. And that as leaders, we got to understand that, that when we take on this leadership role, you know, our job isn't to do the things. Our job is to take care of the people who are doing the things. And a lot of, a lot of leaders have trouble, and they're really not leaders at that point, making the transition from player to coach because oh, it time. is a transition. Big time. It was one of the hardest things I did. And the first thing I did, or I had to learn, because the universe will beat this out of you. It'll beat 
the overestimation of your own self-worth out of you eventually, you got to leave your ego at the door. And it's about your players, your producers. It's not about you. So there's no I. And you really got to work hard at that. You have to also understand, at least my way of thinking is I don't have employees. I am the employee. So I create yeah. that environment for them to learn from, to grow from. And, and then you really have a place where I think is more vital and a place where autonomy is earned. And from there, you're able to grow a much bigger concern, a much, a much more vital company. And that's always been my goal is to grow something that was vital, not just bigger, something that was productive, you know, not just a, a, a monolith that survived because it was so big. So we're in alignment on that. I'm going to ask you this question. Empathy. It's a word that we talked about earlier. And it's a word that it's a, it's a trait. It's something that's most important. It goes with listening and listening and having empathy. So would you define in your terms what empathy means? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Bill. And I think that when you think about critical leadership skills, empathy is a skill uh, that every leader has to have. Uh, empathy drives connection. It, it drives and builds and serves as the foundation of relationships. And so for me, it is understanding the emotion that another person is, is feeling. It is seeing it from, from their point of, of, of view. And then it's being able to imagine yourself in their place, right? It's, it's, an understanding. It comes from a place of caring, it demonstrating compassion. And especially today, the importance of leading the whole person. Mm. If, if we cannot connect with people through empathy, truly understand who they are, where they're at, the challenges they face at the workplace and away from the workplace, right? How are we equipped to lead the whole person? I, I don't I don't know that we are. And this empathy results in trust. It results in relationships. It results in influence. And I believe, simply put, it's it's more deeper than this, but leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. 100 percent If I could drop a bomb or put out fireworks, that, that was a home run. Thank you. Great job on that. You know, some podcasts do some different things to salute brilliance. I'd be popping the whole thing right, be like champagne all around. Uh, let me ask you about other traits. We've got empathy as one trait. You've already mentioned vision, which is a, a learned skill as well. What, what do you think two other critical leadership skills are? So, so one of them, and it's emerging more and more now than ever, is coaching. Hmm. You know, as leaders, we got to be good culture coaches. I, I talked about great leaders are great multipliers, and and coaching isn't about having all the answers. Right. And in, in, in the, the job, it's about teaching the fundamentals. It's about aligning values, right? Our values are going to guide our decisions, but then it's about asking questions and listening and not just hearing, but listening and truly understanding what it is the other person is trying to convey to us. Right. And, and, and oftentimes we hear with the intent to respond, but we need to listen with the intent to process and to be able to empathize and, and to be able to see where it is that we can help our team members grow. And a lot of times we help them grow by asking great questions because oftentimes if we've done our job, 
the answers within them. And it's just helping bring it out of them. So I think coaching is, is a big, big deal. And, you know, I think it's something that, that leaders struggle with. When I think about coaching, one of the most powerful things we can do as we coach people is believe in them. Mm. Huge, huge takeaway. Ceilings are man-made walls are man-made. And unfortunately as human beings, we build low ceilings for ourselves. We build small rooms for ourselves. So as a leader, when we believe in people, we start knocking those walls down. We start, you know, shattering that, that ceiling that we've created for ourselves. And so as coaches, trusting first, right. And believing in people and letting them know you have confidence in them. It's a huge confidence and trust builder, but, but it's a big confidence builder for the individual to really shatter those self-limiting beliefs. You, there's so much gold in what you just said, and, and there's a way to lose money quickly. And that was my need to be right, to be right right now. And <laughs> so many forced choices to be quick because I wanted people to perceive that I was the, the guy for the spot. You end up losing money trying to be right right now. And you know what the most powerful liberation is? I don't know. If I don't know, I'm not going to waffle through some bullshit. I'm going to tell you, I don't know, but now I'll, I'll find out. But some things I don't have answers to. And your method is Socratic and, and mine is as well, where I will ask questions. It's hard work. It ain't easy. It's, easy. it's easier to dictate. What happens though, is you lose the hearts and minds of the good people because they've either drifted to nine to five in your employee and it's just costing you money because they're not doing anything for you or they're gonna leave and go to a competitor. So that Socratic method of asking those questions and letting the person, as you said, find the answer within, it's probably the most powerful enduring way to do it because it's their answer, their way. And you just have to keep asking questions. Ain't easy, it's a lot of work. It's easier for me to tell them, just go do it. <laughs> so. it's, a lot, it's a lot of work, but once you've done it and once you put the work in, the, the work on your end drops significantly. Right. If you really believe in your purpose, if you really believe in your organization, if you really believe in your cause and the impact you're trying to create, and you're a great multiplier, and, and you create a team of purpose-driven owners, then you live beyond that role. Yes. You live beyond that role. And I think one of the leadership lessons I've taken away is the power of ownership. Think about this. When you rent it, you've rented a place before, right, Bill? Mm -hmm. So yes. when you when you rented an apartment or you rented a house, did you ever think about replacing the roof? Did, did, did you ever think about building a deck? Did no. you ever think about adding on a garage? No. no. But when you owned a place, that's when you build a deck. That's when you redid the roof. That's when you added on the garage, right? And that's the power of ownership. We want our people coming in, align purpose, and be owners. Not territorial, not this is right. mine, but take ownership of moving our team and our organization forward at least 1% every day. We want them empowered to solve problems, empowered to be innovative, empowered to be creative, empowered to find better ways. And there's so much power in ownership during COVID with the city. Our leadership team, I'll put them up against anybody. Phenomenal, phenomenal people. When, when most cities were doing one or two things, we were doing 10 right? We were doing 10 things. We've got a 27 acre economic development deal. We just finalized. We, we, we executed uh, a record street resurfacing program. Okay. We, 
we, um, be, we created a unified command team, became the trusted source of information because who knew what was coming out of the state and federal government, what was true or not true. We, we supported our businesses and applied for like 80 different grants for them. And then we created grant programs separate and implemented them, right? And so there's no way we, one person could have done all that, no matter how great they were. But it was the synergy of champions, that force multiplier of purpose-driven owners. And we unleashed them. We're there to support them, got out of their way, and the results were absolutely phenomenal. And I th- so ownership is employee engagement, morale, all those things are important. But what the 10x of employee engagement is ownership. And that's been a huge lesson to me along the way. The listener might ask at this point, the contrarian, well, how do you get people to take ownership? It's coming. So how do you, how do you answer that? You know, I'm glad you asked that question, Bill, because um, I'm in the middle of writing a book called Creating a Culture of Leadership. One of the articles I published is Employee Engagement 10X, the Seven Pillars of Ownership. Let's see if I can draw them from the top of my head. The first thing we got to do is we got to create an environment of psychological safety where people know you have their back. They're not afraid to step out of that proverbial cage. They're, they're not worried about being shamed. They're not worried about getting a knife in their back. Okay. The second thing is sense of belonging. People got to feel cared for. They got to feel like they belong. They got to feel like they're an important part of the team. Third thing is aligning purpose. Okay. When we align purpose, our purpose with their purpose, right? They're no longer, they're no longer doing it for us. They're doing it for them. The next thing is building confidence. And these things start to happen. We want them to become their most confident self. The next thing is empowerment. We want to empower our team to, to action. When we get empowerment, we get innovation. And when we get innovation, we get commitment. Commitment, innovation, empowerment, building confidence, aligning purpose, sense of belonging, psychological safety, and very, very high levels of commitment transition to ownership. It all comes from psychological safety, having the environment that you're free to express without the fear of if you're not making this same repetitive mistakes over and over and over and getting taken out of the equation. That's that's excellent. Where yeah, do we find um, this? Where do we find this font of brilliance for you? <laughs> the uh, so actually on LinkedIn, it's in my articles, and every now and then I, I reshare it. Um, but yeah, it's employee engagement 10x, seven pillars of ownership. I actually do a keynote on it. Um, it's been a little bit since I looked at it, but, but that's the framework and there's so much more depth to it than that, but, but that's the framework that, that I've created. It's great stuff. Failure is part of the environment. It's part of that fertile environment. It's part of the teaching, part of the learning, part of the way it is the indispensable guide for those who would, who would aspire to greater success. What's your greatest failure? What'd you learn from it? My greatest failure. Wow. That's a... That's a tough one. You know, yeah. what is my greatest failure? You know, I think my greatest failure and what I learned from it set the stage for uh, the rest of my career to have success. And, you know, Covey's, I think it was his fourth habit, seek first to understand, then be understood. So when I came into the police department, I was very eager. I worked hard in the academy. I worked hard in my field training program. I worked hard to stay abreast of the most current trends. And so when people ask questions, when sergeants ask questions, when we're having conversations, I would automatically answer, right? And, and I, I don't know that I was doing it because look at me, but 
that was my mindset. And there, it, it was a failure because, you know, from uh, the Lieutenant at the time who then became the police chief and then was part of promoting me to police chief um, said, you know, you're by, by inserting yourself in this way, you're making other people feel uncomfortable. You're making other people jealous. You're making other people envious. Some people think you don't have enough time on to be contributing to the conversation. That's pretty archaic, but, but that's what it was. Right. And so that was a failure. So I found myself third from the bottom in evaluations on a 30 person department. And my Lieutenant called me in. I was very frustrated. I was thinking about, you know, leaving and going to another department. And he said, Danny, this is nothing more than a perception issue. When you look at the difference between you and he talked about another officer, he goes, you know, your head and shoulders above and beyond, but this officer understood the value of coming in and listening. He goes, so you got to understand the power of perception. So go, go talk to each supervisor individually, each sergeant, tell them you want their help. Tell them you, you, you want to do a better job. Tell them, you know, ask them to help you. He goes, I'm going to guarantee you none of them will give you any suggestions on what you need to do. But just because you gave them the respect to ask them and because of the way they're feeling, it'll fix everything. And so I went and talked to six different sergeants. I was, I mean, I, I want to do well, right? Like I've always been driven to do well. And I asked, can you help me? What do I need to do to do better? And from every one of them, you're doing a great job, kid. Just keep it up. The next evaluation period, six months later, I was number one on evaluations and I was never less than number one for the rest of my career. And, but that was my greatest failure. When we come into a new, a new position as, as a new leader, right? Seek first to understand, then be understood. Big lesson for me. You also, you did two things that are the, I think the successful person's way or the person that takes ownership of their success. I think it's a part of their toolkit. Number one, you didn't try to drive through and say it's them. You ask the questions first in your mirror, could it be me? And then you did something vital. And I think every, every coworker employee needs to do this. Go to someone for assistance. People are more than willing, for the most part, not all, for the most part, to offer that. How can I make myself better? How can I do this? When I have people that do that, I'm more aligned and in, in, in their way of thinking, and I'm, I'm more likely to keep going and looking at the prospects of the future as opposed to those that say it's them, it's not, it's not me. That's huge, and that's all part of ego and understanding. Great job on that. So I, oh, I'm that's a tough question because you came through like a champ, but I knew well, you. I, I think whenever there's a problem, yeah, I had to think there. I'm like, where, where is me? I don't look that way, you know. Uh, but but you know, honestly, I think that I think that whenever there's a problem, right, we're part of it. And so it's having that humility to understand we're part of it. We may be five percent or sixty or eighty percent part of it, but I don't really feel we've instilled this value through our leadership team. We don't have the right to deal with the problem and to have a conversation with somebody who's also part of the problem until we've eliminated ourselves from the problem. We don't even have the right. And when you do that, Bill, it's really powerful. And, you know, earlier I said, trusting first is a very powerful trust builder. The second one is you just brought to life is genuinely asking another person for help. It's a trust builder and it's a relationship builder because when you ask somebody for help, you tell them, I trust you. I respect you. 
I value you. You are important. And everybody wants to feel significant. Everybody wants to feel yes. valued and, and cared for. You know, people need that sense of agency, feeling significant for what they do and their contributions. They have to have that sense, as you talked about, belonging. And then there's a innate, there's a deep need for collaboration and cooperation. And we need that's how we get through life. That's how we get through this world. And, and you just, or we don't. And, and you just nailed that. I, I want to give you the other side of failure. And you join the greats on the show. When I ask that question, I ask everybody that question about failure. The ones that have just taken off and just are tremendous. Like, I, I, I don't really know what that uh, failure. I don't know. I have setbacks. I, I, I have disappointments, but not really failure. I love that. <laughs> I just love that. I knew you were struggling, man. I knew you would do that. Success. It's the other side of the coin. It's after you get your hands dirty, you get in there, you do the work, and you know what? You are earning your way every day to, to success. How does Danny Langloss define success? You know, it's funny. I uh, About eight or nine months ago, uh, a friend of mine interviewed me about this. And that's a tough thing, right? Like I had to get... I had to say, look, dude, if you don't know what success is, then anything works. But what I, what I came to, <laughs> no, if you don't know what success is, anything works, right? <laughs> like if you don't even know how to, what, what your success is, then how are you going to be successful? <laughs> it's like, what, what was it? Was it, um, any, any road, if you don't know where you're going, any road can get you there. Is that Yogi Berra, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so I think for me, I think success is living my purpose every single day, living my values every single day in my pursuit of making a bigger difference and impact in the world. And so, you know, at, at the ground level, that's being the very best dad that I can be. It's being the very best husband that I can be. It's being the best friend that I can be, the best son that I can be, right? But then when I move out towards my professional life, it's, you know, helping other people become the best versions of themselves. Some things I'm super passionate about are helping people with substance use disorder, helping people suffering from mental illness, uh, helping protect children from pedophiles and some social justice things. I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of the, the police reform in a positive way. And so for me, success is having significant impact in all of those areas, you know, and just constantly putting myself in positions where I can make the greatest impact. When I came on as a police officer, that was as a patrol officer. When I got promoted, that was from there. When I became police chief, that allowed me to, to step in because I realized that, you know, getting getting promoted, Bill, I, I love this. And this is kind of my mind. Becoming police chief, becoming the CEO of a company, becoming the CEO of the hospital, that's not a destination. That's a new beginning. We've never arrived. Now we have a greater responsibility to more people in the communities we serve, right? And so for me, it's always about how can I put myself in a position based on my current skill set to make a bigger difference? And if I'm doing that, to me, that's success. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Now, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people won't do anything unless they can actually quantify it. And quantify it means it's something in their bank account. Uh, I'm, I come from a qualitative standpoint. And, and so do you, you. You might never be able to know the difference or impact you make. It can't, sometimes it's not quantifiable. People will reach back to you and say, hey, you've done this for me. You haven't done any of that for them. They've done it for themselves. You've been the spark of inspiration, maybe the, the flame to the ember that becomes their fire. But that's all part and parcel of it. And you've got to be okay with not having that feedback loop that says, here's money in your bank account. You're making a difference because that's part of who Danny Langloss is. 
And, and I just find that to be part yeah. of the, the alignment that we share. So I have to ask you this purpose. You mentioned it a couple of times. People are always looking for it. Do you think that you, it's not a trick question. It's just coming off the top of my brain. Do you think you find it or you think it finds you and you have to be aware? You know, I, I think, I think it's both, right? I think it can find you. Um, but I think you can find it because I don't know. I, you know, the best way to predict the future is to create it, right? We create what our future is. And so to say it finds us would to say, we just sit around waiting for life to happen to us. And maybe one day it'll happen. I mean, I think it can find us. Right. But, but I, but I think it's about being intentional and drilling down and being clear on, on what we were put on this earth to do and to be. And if that is being an incredible mother, wow, what an incredible, if that's being a great teacher, if that's being the best, you know, if that's being the best custodian you can be to have an incredible clean and, and presentable work environment that really sets the tone for the brand of an organization. Great. You know what I mean? But, it, but it, it, I think in more and more now, especially, I mean, really over the last three or four years, this whole purpose, find your why Simon Sinek, you know, he's yeah, not yeah. the only one talking about it, yeah, yeah. but, but I think, I, I think that if we don't know our purpose, if we don't know our why, I think we can be very intentional about finding it. And at times it'll find us, but I think there's intentionality to it. It comes with the other word is passion. And people don't know this. So, so what am I passion? My passion, the root term of the passion, the etymology of the word passion is suffering. People don't know that. <laughs> so to be able to express that, you have to come through a, a certain stage of suffering. But you, you know, I'm going to put it real simple, just in my own Western Pennsylvania way. People were craving this. Oh, Sinek came out with, with, with finding your why and people were in search, like, like having a flashlight and looking for it and they can't find it. And how do I know? How do I know? You know what? It comes from immersion. It comes for me from intentionality, as you said, being intentional, but then being immersed in something and getting a kick out of it. If you get a kick out of it, so I used to get a kick out of people doing things that people thought couldn't be done. Got a kick out of it. And then the higher the challenge, people would say, wow, I appreciate you. And I, I just found that my, my purpose was, let me get out there and make that little difference because then it's going to make a difference for them. And I'm going to feel good about it because I get what? I kick from it. It's really that simple. Yeah. It, it went hard. Uh, but that's just me digressing again. I, I have to come back and ask you again because there's so much content here and there's so much great content and people need to go back, search you on LinkedIn, search your other venues, listen to your podcasts. But where can we find you again? Yeah. So LinkedIn is the number one area to find me. Um, you know, I do have a website. It's dannylangloss.com. Um, you know, I'm on Instagram. I'm posting a lot more on Instagram on my personal Facebook page. I'm posting on Twitter. Although that's a, that's a hard platform, Bill. You know, most no. of my energy and focus, if I'm, if I got time to post one place, it's on LinkedIn. And I think that's the, probably the best place. Speaking of ownership, you've got to be able to divorce yourself from the inanity and the insanity of social media at a certain point. People live too much of their lives vicariously. They, they use and lose too much of that inelastic gold we have called time. They will never get back. Worrying about the moods, the intonations of somebody on a social media platform that you will probably never meet. Good God, get a life. Just saying. Got a, got a couple more for you before we wrap here. And if there's anything, this is your time. All right. What, if you're Bill Woodich, you have this serve shirt on. What would you ask? What would you want me to ask you that I haven't asked? So, okay. So I think the question is all this empathy and all this caring and all this serving others, 
you know, is that really weak on leading? You're just going to become a doormat, right? Like, are people just going to take advantage of you? And my answer to that, one of a leader's most critical skills is accountability. People mm. respect what's hard. People want to be held accountable in a respectful and caring way, right? Um, and they want other people to be held accountable. And so, you know, in Brene Brown's words, we got to choose courage over comfort, right? We, we, the tougher the situation, the further we got to lean in. And so as we think about accountability, we've got to have clear expectations. We got to have clear values that, that we're making decisions on. And when people's actions and behaviors don't align with our values and with our expectations, then we need to step in and we need to address that. Because this is what I'll tell you. When I became the police chief, even though the, the chief was a phenomenal guy and he was a great coach and he took us from a traditional organization to, to a full community service organization, what lacked was accountability. When I became the police chief, it was a divided department. It, things were running amok. There were two camps that the leadership team wasn't speaking with one voice. And so a lack of accountability will destroy organizations. You know, so I would tell leaders, you, you, you know, it, one of the best compliments I, I was ever given and, and somebody was talking about me and my style. And one of my, my leadership team looked at him and said, don't mistake kindness for weakness. Mm. Right. And so we've got to have this accountability. People respect what's hard. And there's a way to have accountability without even being negative. There's these positive ways you can do it. It's, it's, you know, working through all that's probably another podcast, but, but you've got to have it. It's so important. And, and being a great leader requires accountability. And, and this will tie in and I'll let you ask whatever questions we have to finish up. We talk about our environment being a relaxed environment where the expectations are high and accountability is certain. And know this, people will assess you as a leader by what you tolerate much more than what you ever accomplish. So you've got to be consistent. And you know, once in a while, you got to just terminate and fire people. It's just the way it is. Hardcore, but there's got to be a little blood in the carpet. Not literally, but there's got to be some tear shed. But that's just the part and parcel of it because some people will poison your water supply. Not literally, I shouldn't say that today. But some people will be around that water cooler spreading that victimology. You do not need that. Yeah. That is not part of a, of, a, of a great organization. Last one, and I will come back with you on another one and invite you if you'd be so kind as to join but last one is this, you got a paragraph, man. You got one paragraph and you have been, you've given me a book. Last paragraph, you're no longer on this earth. You live to 150, you still look great, man. You're still doing the Buffalo hot sauce. What would you leave for people to read, to learn from, to see that, well, this is Danny's imprint, man, in one paragraph. He's no longer here, but I can live this stuff. Wow. <laughs> I've heard the dash question before, but I haven't, I haven't heard that. Um, I think really for me, what I want to be remembered as is, is a, as a loving father, a devoted husband and a community servant who, whatever I was involved in, I tried to leave it better than, than what I found it. And I, I just really value people. People are our gold. And, 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 and if you have somebody that just makes people, everyone around them better with the focus of that and never takes the credit, and always gives that away, but always owns what the problems were. Um, 
I think I think something along those lines. You gave some of the most insightful, impactful answers with direction. And the reason I kept circling back on stuff is I want people to understand that it's about personal responsibility. You're saying that, but but, but you're you're doing it so well, and you just want to reach out because you have this positive, authentic way, like you're just consistently positive, authentic, just real. And a lot of people Thank have you. that that whole that mask on, and, and you don't. No. Well, I tell you, we didn't get into it on the accountability. Um, no. we, we extended, we extended our probation periods from six months to a year. And our philosophy is higher, slow, fire, fast. If Boom. we can't, if we cannot align purpose, if people won't love our values, people can fool us for three or six or nine months. Generally, they can't fool us for a year. And if they aren't the right value and culture fit for our organization, they got to go because you can't, you can't be committed to excellence if you don't have a team full of people who can achieve it. And the other thing we did was this, I revamped the evaluation for our senior leadership and not only have below average, average, above average. I said, this is what it takes to get an A. And when I rolled it out, I said, if you're the kind of person that wants to know about average, what's it take to be average, you're on the wrong team and you're not going to make it. This is what it takes to be an A. And we don't grade on a curve, baby. You don't need to, to, to say anything about what I'm going to say next, whether you do this or not. But if Danny Langlois drank alcohol, I would give him his preferred choice of libation. I would actually bring some Cuban cigars and I'd put every, I'd record about four or five hours and I'd have a best-selling book. We'd have to do it in tandem. I'd actually give you the lead. You're you too fantastic. nice. <laughs> You're too nice, Bill. Thank you. I'm serious about that. You were fantastic. This has been The Unstoppables. I'm Bill Woodich. Until next time, be safe. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was great talking with Bill. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or review so we can help reach people more organically. It's about helping people. And remember, always be committed to excellence.